No, it's fine. It's a classic for a reason. Is it though? It's Absolutely. a fucking institution, James. Exactly. Don't oh, you know? Duh, oh, fucking. <laughs> to climb they make you watch this in customs when you're uh, coming into the the country. Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. We are Post Packs. I am Zach Jackson, and we are joined by James Wood. Howdy, gamers. Nathan Hennessy. Welcome back. Rhiannon Austin. Hey, gamers. And Adam Ryan. Hello again. Hello again. Hello to you all. It's been too long. Too long. Mm. 24 mm. hours without sharing the same meat space is too long. I agree. Mm. Is that uh, M-E-E-T or mm. M-E-A-T? No. <laughs> you fill in that word term however you. you like, mate. Yeah. Look, look, all I'm saying is we were very, very up in each other's business in that laneway having breakfast. <laughs> mm. Yes, that laneway. Exactly. Uh, those chairs were real tight together. They Break were. Off. Got to get them in, yeah. man. No, they really were. The space yeah. between our meat. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I had a great bagel, though. So. Oh, I love oh, a bagel. Mm. Oh, right. it was... had chorizo on it. Yeah, that's oh. a winner. Let's talk about chorizo. No, that's not bagel. <laughs> yeah, Mate, I could talk oh, spicy sausage me. with you all day. This <laughs> is a cast now. We're, that's it. We're pivoting. Game is done. <laughs> yeah. this, is cured, this is the cured meat cast. Cured meat podcast, yeah. <laughs> How quickly we slip into bullshit topics. Fucking like, we hit record. Immediately. We were talking about though. games prior to record yeah. we hit record and we're like and now we're going to talk about the real stuff <laughs> absolutely this is what this is the content that people want mate oh absolutely mate, it's a shame you don't have a milk to review have a <laughs> event in melbourne when you come off the airplane and there's a big fucking don sign on the freeway coming into the city mm. they're all about cure meats mate they're all about tritzos let's fucking it's the city for it is don is good mate is don is good is that still the slogan yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. That Pavlovian that response you when you see it on the freeway, mate. Yeah. I, I don't think I saw... for some luncheon meat. I, I didn't, I didn't oh. see that sign. Um... Oh, mate. You have, to, you have to come back. Yeah, come back over yeah. then. Run it back. <laughs> you got to watch <laughs> no, yourself, was... man. And big meat's a big deal down here. It'll get you. <laughs> Look, in, in my particular niche of the community, it's a big deal as well. Don't worry. Is it cured or? Depends. Cut it out. That was the. Cut it off. We're just talking cured meats, mate. Look, no, we all have a preference. All, 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 I, all I wanted to do was to provide some sort of uh, context to the um, the closeness of of you all. True. Um, mm. Oh, but yeah. also Christmas well, hands also, around it's... the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look, I, I, I was, I'm done trying to segue back, all right? You guys are on your own. I was about to do a very clean segue back to Vax. <laughs> Fucking Nathan. Have you thought about Christmas hams yet? <laughs> you just, Nathan has not been, uh, he has not had a whiff of innuendo this whole time. He's been strictly talking about meats and foodstuffs this entire time. Amen. Do you bake, do you bake can, the ham? 
Have we looked into turkey sandwiches? Yeah, you can. Ba- you can like the one you buy. You can bake, rebake it, and like baste it. Honey. Last That's Christmas was the first time I ever had a baked ham, and it was so no, it was incredible. It's yum. It is worth the effort. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, now you're talking. Mm. Mm. I could be ham peeled. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, <laughs> let's get back on track. We are post packs. We're looking post packs. Yes. All right. Let's let, let's go because we we actually do have a fair bit to cover. So let's not waste people's time. Bloody hams. Four minutes of ham talk. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ham cast. Stop, please. Mm. I'm so sorry, Jordan. Hey, don't nah. don't be sorry, Jordan. He loves a good bit of ham. He does. Are you going to say meat? <laughs> I, I was going to, but I thought it was too on the nose. He's, he's so. more of a twee stick kind of guy. I would have no idea. Trying to explain no, twee no. sticks to the international listeners. <laughs> I don't well, think a, we need to. Actually, I think we talk about video games. Just, just, just Google it. You'll be right. All right, video games. Hey, let's uh, let's get straight into it. Nothing to talk about because we got haven't been playing anything. Or have we? We have. How exciting. Because we just spent a whole weekend at PAX Australia. <laughs> it didn't quite go where I was. <laughs> uh, that's something I was thinking of. Whatever. Anyway, PAX Australia was on the on the weekend. It was good fun. Great to see you all. Great to spend time with people I don't really like. Um, but no, I'm kidding. I love I love all you people. It was great to catch up with everyone else and see lots of up, up good, yeah. good upcoming indie games uh some that we had never even seen before and and some we've seen previously so we'll talk about a few here but before we get into that nathan oh we're going straight baby yeah just mate we're not hamming around (laughs) all right okay I've, i've got nothing to follow on from that let's just talk about the game let's talk about lords of the fallen Yay! So it's only a few weeks back that we had Lies of P, and now we've got our next Souls-like experience upon us. This is one of the next few, like, Unreal 5 engine showcase games to have landed on us. Serenity now. Anyway, this is coming from Hexworks. This is their first game. This is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, from some of the team that might have worked on the original Lords of the Fallen in 2014. Yeah, so the right? so this so Hexworks is uh, like a studio of CI Games, and they're they're I think well they are the publisher on this one. Yes. Um. So I think a, a couple of years ago they kind of separated the company and they kind of made two different internal. Studios, one was Hexworks and then one was, um, I think they're, they're now called Underdog Games or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, your mates are doing Lords of the Fallen and the other one's doing Sniper. But yes, uh, CI Games did co-develop the original Lords of the Fallen with Deck 13, who did like The Surge um, they did. and stuff like that. that. So. Are they the Atlas Fallen? Atlas Correct. Fallen. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So 
Based on that, this is actually quite an interesting game. This is actually a sequel to that 2014 title, despite the titles being identical. Uh, I don't fully appreciate what that means, having only played a few hours of <laughs> Lords of the Fallen 2014. Um, but some of the things that also famously Zach Jackson's favourite or uh, mo- well, most played game on the Xbox platform. How exciting is that? <laughs> is. That's quite a surprise bit Shout of trivia out. for you. Play yeah, it for a full yeah. hour, did you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I finished that game, mate, unlike you. Oh, you finished it? Well, I'll take my hat off to that because that would be no mean feat because I'll have you know that this is a Souls-like, is pretty sharp-toothed, pretty tough game. Now, uh, one of the carryover themes that I'm aware of is the mad god Adir that reigns over this world. He's effectively coming back. He was in the original game. He's back here again. And our character, the Dark Crusader, which is interesting because that's also a character class. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, They have been tasked with going to like five points or locations that are marked with this huge vertical beacon you can see across the the world. You've got to go to these beacons... Uh, assumedly, you know, you will have to take care of some bosses and then decide, you know, are you going to free or kill this mad god of deer? Uh, while this is all happening, the game starts off very much in the pattern of Dark Souls. Uh, we are shown effectively a pit where a lamp is thrown down. This is an umbral lamp and it lands on our little Dark Crusader who then becomes, you know, they pick up the lamp. They're now anointed with this quest to go and figure out what they're going to do with Mad God Adir. Now, the the lamp is one of the integral parts of this game. The, the Umbral Lamp lets you... You get it right at the very start of the game, first up, and you're able to pull out this lamp at any point during gameplay, and it shows you this undead Umbral world that's laid over the top of the original world. So effectively, at any point in time, the game is like generating two worlds, two play spaces for you seamlessly that you're interacting with in a really cool way. Now... We've seen this in the trailers. It looked kind of novel to begin with, like really interesting. I know that this is something that people were excited for that had played Soul Reaver, the idea of having this interchangeable world that you can sort of step in and step out of at will as you're progressing through the game. It's a really neat idea. And I'm happy to say that in this game, it works pretty fucking brilliantly. Uh, So a few of the things you can do outside of using this as a kind of exploration traversal tool, you can also use this in combat to separate an enemy's spirit from their corporeal body. And while they're separated, you can do like extra damage depending on which you attack, whether you attack the, the separated spirit or the corporeal body. My favorite thing to do is whenever you're on a really precarious um, area where there's a lot of cliff sides and that, and there's some really chunky enemies, you use the lamp on them. You get to control, you get to choose a direction as to where their soul separates. I always separate their soul into the abyss so that when their corporeal matter rejoins with their soul, they end up falling into nothingness. It's one of these really cheap, cheesy ways to win fights really easily. And it's kind of one of my favorite ethoses of this game. And it's probably not something they would put on the box, but this is a game that's made to be cheesed in a way that's really enjoyable for Dark Souls players because it turns so many of the frustrations of Dark Souls games on their head and allows you to have a lot of fun with it. So as I said, there's not too much here that I'll talk about story without going into spoiler territory. But as I said, this is very Dark Souls. This is a very gothic dark world. Lots of, you know, empty, dilapidated citadels and ruins. 
And as we're going through it, we're coming across like uh, NPCs that are kind of the remnants of humanity in this world. Some of them are um, sort of touched by the umbral realm, so they might exist in both the living and the dead realms. And at times in the game, you'll only be able to explore in the undead realm because an area requires you to, you know, effectively cross over. So it's you might spend a lot, lot more time in the undead realm and you'll find um, new NPCs to interact with. So it's really cool the fact that these two worlds also have their own sort of denizens, secrets, even their own enemies, but at any time they exist sort of overlapping of one another. And what this means is you can be going through a combat area, you can be using your... Uh, your umbral lamp and uh, there's an enemy that just happens to appear before you in the umbral area and they can pull you they can just like pull you over into the umbral realm this undead realm now i'm kind of buried lead here in lords of the fallen when you die and of course being a souls like game you will die very often you don't get a game over screen but rather you get transported into the umbral realm you immediately get revived into that undead realm with about half of your remaining health so it's a kind of second wind and why this is really cool is as i said it, it's it inverts a lot of rough edges that we might see in dark souls games souls like games such as an early example like if you're near ravines and um, sharp edges, you're a bit worried that you'll, you know, it's very easy to roll under an attack and then roll into the abyss. GG, well played, you've died. That's, you know, that can be funny. That can be quite frustrating, particularly when you're managing things like camera and auto locking targeting. That can feel like the game's worked against you. No big deal because you're just going to revive back where you were and you can keep on going. Uh, what you'll need to do while you're in the undead realm as you've revived, you don't want to spend too much time there because the longer time that you spend there, you're going to sort of, I'm going to compare it to like a GTA wanted system. You're going to start like racking up like, the game says it's you're, you're gaining attention from the denizens of the realm. The, the undead monsters are noticing you the longer you spend here. So you want to, you can explore and spend as much time here as you want, but the more time you spend, more enemies are going to start to like spawn in around your person you'll see sort of their specters floating in the undead realm and then they will begin to materialize as you spend more time there so it's not necessarily a surprise you might see these enemies coming you just want to get out of there uh, because there's these crossover spaces these um these uh, i can't think what they're called but you can find these like uh corpses that you interact with and transport you back into the world of the living so there's this kind of extraction element to it you know how like extraction shooters are so big at the moment where you want to get in do some damage get out sometimes it's that sometimes it's very much you want to go into the umbral realm uh there might be like a secret location that you can only access by going into it uh you know get as much xp get back out and bank it and that's a really exciting thrill what's up adam so if you die you get transported into the like the the realm of the undead right but you don't want to die if in the realm of the undead that was going to be my question. I, so I if you <laughs> you get the attention of the the big bads that are floating about there, mm. is it like a, a souls thing? You want to get back to the land of the living to collect your XP, and if you die there, yeah, what's the what's the death state in that other world? So 
uh, the the only time the game recognizes that you've truly died is when you die in the umbral realm and at which point it then does that typical souls thing where you leave like an essence behind you can still pick it up in the realm of the living or the realm of the dead doesn't matter it's just going to sit there uh if it's an area that's been occupied by enemies then it's going to do that like jedi survivor type thing where the enemies uh, sort of scoop up your xp and then they glow so you hopefully not one of the big beasties takes it because that's going to be a real issue for you uh, now, that's kind of uh, the nutshell. Uh, I'm really pleased with how this, this mechanic works in terms of, um, at the start, first five or six hours of the game is quite linear, so I, was, I thought that this umbral traversal mechanic was a little bit of a gimmick. I just thought that it overlaid a different texture set over the top of many of the, the areas that we're exploring. It's only until you get well past the tutorial, uh, well past the, the first sort of hub location. Mind you, this does the typical sales thing where you've got a hub full of NPCs, you meet more NPCs, they come back to the hub, set up shop, all that kind of shit, brilliant. Um, but then what happens is, I've lost that train of thought. So what I'm just gonna talk about is the co-op instead. This is fantastic. This is probably my favorite part of the game because this is now a, a Souls-like that you will actually be able to bring a friend along and, and you can play through the entire game together from start to finish uh, really well. And there's something that I love here. Uh, I've played co-op in this. I've had a really good time with it. I've, I've been helping strangers. And one of the neat things is when you die, say you're the companion, you're, you've gone in to help another player. So you're the, you're the handy person that's being the benevolent one. And you die, um, rather, so you, you kind of, you drop your, you know, your souls, your uh, vigor, they call it in this game, your XP, but and you go to spectate the host player. And the host player can actually go to where you died and revive you. So there's this really cool, it, it plays like a genuine co-op experience that I expect in almost any other game. Co-op in Souls-like games, they've normally got a few strings attached where it might be like before Elden Ring, it was like you get to the boss, you defeat the boss and then they fuck you off. No, there, there's no interruptions here whatsoever. And if, you're, if your companion gets too far away from you, uh, the game will give you the option to like teleport to them so you can always like catch up with them. This game has done so much work in just like quality of life and making the co-op experience as seamless as possible so that this is going to be a Souls-like that I would heavily recommend to someone that is like kind of curious about the game and might want to bring along a mate, want to actually like go through one of these games with a friend and have a fulfilling experience. This I could not recommend more. I think this game is like a, a virtually made for a co-op experience. I'm having a blast playing it by myself. I'm having probably more fun when I play co-op. There's just no downsides. I can die as many times as I want. I never lose any of my vigor, you know, so it's just a net positive for a co-op player. You're just building up your rank. It's, it's more fun to do co-op than grinding because there's just, there's just no loss. You, there's just nothing to lose. The other player's having a great time. The game is hilarious when it's played co-op because you see the AI is not the greatest at the best of time in this game. It's fine. Um, but obviously you're able to exploit it in really cheesy ways in the co-op that the game just doesn't seem to mind. You're never you're never punished for cheesing. The game seems to... I, I've, in my heart, I believe that Hexworks have designed this game so much so that you feel smart for exploiting the enemies. And there are so many opportunities to do so when you've got two players with umbral lamps whipping people's spirits over abysses so they go bye-bye. Uh, it's brilliant. 
The game looks phenomenal. It's it, you know it's an Unreal Five Engine game. I I was a little bit ho hum at the start um, because during my review process it, it looked a little bit jank. There was a few issues, some some definitely some areas where the frames would just drop. I'm happy to say that during my review period uh, they've been updating this game and it's only gotten like significantly better as I've been playing it. And I've not been playing it for very long, so uh, I'm really excited or really uh, encouraged by the fast work that these, this team is doing to make sure this game runs as smooth as possible. Uh, I, I genuinely think this will be the best Souls-like looking game on the market. It, it's it's staggering the amount of work that they've done in both realms, you know, the the, the, the living and the undead is, is incredible. And the fact that there is just so much game to explore depending on how you choose to navigate the world, whether it is through one realm or the other, um, opens up so many interesting gameplay possibilities. I think there's one thing I'll leave off with. Obviously, this this, this game has its poison swamps. Uh, this has probably got some of my most favorite poison swamps in the genre, simply because of what the Umbral Lamp allows you to do. Uh, one thing you learn very early on is like water doesn't exist in the Umbral Realm, so you might come across lakes and that in your uh, playthrough, and the lakes might be host to all kinds of enemies. And you can trudge through the lakes, or you can use your umbral lamp and start running through empty fields, um, but you might be opening yourself up to more enemies. So there's these really interesting decision spaces that exist when you enter any new area. Is it going to be easier or harder for me to navigate it in one room or the other? Not to mention the fact that you will open up all kinds of shortcuts and navigating um, expediencies simply due to which room you decide to reside in. So uh, I, there's just so much thought in here. There's so much game in here. Uh, the world just just is is very much a like a really flattering carbon copy of the Dark Souls formula. So it's you're going to be constantly looping around on yourself. You'll see all of the world in the horizon as you're exploring it. It feels like a conducive singular world um, rather than something that's split up into levels. It's not an open world by any sense, but the way that the shortcuts and that heavy looping you back around it has that kind of Metroidvania. Uh, exploration style that the original Dark Souls had. Uh, in short, I would say this feels like the most perfect blueprint example of what a Dark Souls 2 could have been. It feels like it's taken all of the the methodologies and um, design of Dark Souls 1 and done an actual proper sequel to it, whereas Dark Souls 2 fundamentally feels like a different game to Dark Souls 1 with its level design and um, probably like less ambitious bosses. This this, to me, feels like what this team feels like a sequel to Dark Souls 1 could it be. I say that, James, as someone who likes Dark Souls 2. I will just mention that. But Dark Souls... fucking better. I, I do yeah, like Dark Souls right. 2. But Dark Souls 2 okay. didn't feel like... Like, the 2 felt a bit deceptive to me. It didn't feel like a proper sequel yeah, it, to Dark Souls 1. It's not, an, uh, it's not an iterative sequel in, I think, the way a lot of people would have wanted for mm. Dark Souls. I think Dark Souls 3 is the game that people sort of wanted as a progression point. Correct. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like I, I love Dark Souls 2 for, for what it is. I Because I, I previewed this a few months ago, and to me this feels almost like a Dark Souls 4. Mm. Um, like if somebody had picked up that constant sort of like changing of that world and iteration of that world. And I think the overlaying of those worlds with the lantern shit yep. um, is a very organic extension of how do you take a relatively li limited play space and then double it effectively. 100%. Um, and, that, and that is absolutely what they've done here. Uh, I'm only going to make a very quick mention of the things I don't like. Uh, fundamentally, the combat, which this is such an odd thing to say, the combat fundamentally is not good. <laughs> it's real floaty. You will find ways to make it work. 
Um, so for me, like the big, the big thing is if you're not locked onto an enemy and you try and attack them, it's a real dice roll. It's a real gamble that you're going to swing anywhere near them. This game has a really odd relationship with where you are in position to where your enemies are and how it treats that. Uh, for example, if you try to roll away from an enemy that you're not locked onto, the game will roll you towards them which has caused me so many issues because if you're not <laughs> locked on to some, if you're not locked on to an enemy in this game the game just does not know it, it tries to anticipate what your relationship is to that enemy and fundamentally fucks it up it's so hard to explain i'm not going to be the only one talking about this everyone that's playing this game will have run into this so the and, and ultimately it just comes down to the fact that the game just has a really fucky lock on system it over relies on locking onto enemies if you're not oh funnily enough if you're not locked onto an enemy the enemy has the same issues trying to hit you as well it's only once you're locked onto an enemy that the game recognizes that you're both trying to attack one another and therefore has the attacks <laughs> attempt to land on one another so whilst you're not locked onto enemies they probably can't attack you either it's the most goofiest shit so I've been, I've been in fights where I've got like six dudes around me. They're all swinging at me and they're all just missing and I'm surrounded. It makes no sense. So th that's a really big issue, but, and it's a big, but everything else about this game fucking rocks. Um, so you, I guess this is one of those games where you're just going to have to meet it halfway and you're going to have to really, really lower your expectations with just how responsive that combat's going to feel in order to get the rest of what people love about a Dark Souls experience. The world, the writing, the voice acting goes from good to great. It's never bad. Uh, it's all told really well. I love reading the item descriptions, all that shit. does the Dark Souls stuff where you've never really had a conversation with an NPC until you've talked to them five times in a row. Um, <laughs> all, all that stuff, it's just brilliant. The, these guys, they understand what a good Souls-like is. They've obviously put a lot of time into this. I've had a fantastic time with it. Uh, don't like the combat much, but as I said, I found my groove. It's going to take a while, a lot of experimentation until you find something that clicks. And I found something that clicked for me. It's just a bit of a shame that you will find a lot of weapons that you use and you go, well, this is just trash. The game doesn't know how to implement it. So it's maybe, maybe they fix that down the line. Maybe they're able to implement some fix for their targeting system and we'll all be happy. Uh, but other than that, I think this is a game that I'm going to rate. Um, I'm, between now and when this potty goes up, I'm still playing this game like ravenously. But if you were to ask me now, it would it would be in the the region of at least at least in the eights. Cool. Yeah, feel yeah. about that. Mm, good to hear. It's I brought this up in my Lies of P review. Uh, From software kind of accidentally mythologized a genre before it even got a chance to become a genre, right? Like they, the, they the came ideas. out of the gate so strong with it. Yeah, the, the ideas, the feel of how it should be. Um, and I mean, like, you know, in, in one sense, like, yes, they are, they are masters of what they do, but they've also established a baseline, right? That everything else now has to either meet or it'll bounce off of it in, in some invariable way. Mm -hmm. I think Liza P gets relatively close to it. Um, I remember from the preview of, of this game, I thought, yeah, it was floaty is the best way I think to describe it. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that you're not writing it off just because it's not as tightly refined as people who accidentally made the perfect versions of these things the first time, you mm -hmm. know, um, it, it sounds like everything else that's going on in this is really good. And I love the cheesing stuff because like from software, 
accidentally kind of earned the marker of like, well, you just got to get good at it. And it's like, no, I think they just, they want you to fuck back with the game. The game fucks with you. You fuck back. Mm. Right. Like that has always been the relationship to me in a souls game. That's what I like so much about the genre. I'm really glad that that seems to be like fucking forefront here. So I'm genuinely, I think they've got something special here with that, with, with that simple, um, you know, methodology of, of we're just going to give you the tools to make the game as fucky wucky as, as we would in our design of just sending you off of cliff sides. So, mm-hmm. and it's, and so much of it just comes down to that lamp. Just that one little gameplay feature has questioned so much of what I took for granted about the genre. And I went into this thinking that it looked like a little bit of a novelty, a cool one. Um, but, but if they did a sequel to this, and they bought that lamp mechanic over. They could expand this in so many cool ways because they've already got so many cool ideas happening with this. I think the the lamp is what I'm, or that mechanic is what I'm most excited for because we've had a lot of souls like that have like a different theme but mm-hmm. are just very much a souls game. So there's like Steel Rising has the whole steam steampunk thing. Mm. Oh, I P, enjoyed this heaps more than Steel Rising. Yeah, which was still a good yeah, game. Yeah, all of. Yeah, so like different Mm. themes, but they all feel very much like if you took away that theme, it would still just be a Souls like. So I'm Mm. I'm keen that this has maybe a familiar theme in kind of the dark gothic, yeah, fantasy Mm. genre, but it actually has crucifixes. It's also distinctly like yeah, it's very European fantasy as opposed to like Japanese infused. Oh yeah, it certainly that's very very cool. Absolutely, it certainly does have its own feel. But But I'm glad that it also yeah. There's a lot of like self-flagellating cone heads, so it's you know Mm. really got that like blasphemous (laughs) like you know uh, but you know good name for a band that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, really heavily leans into. If you like that kind of like Central European Gothic Christian fantasy, this has it in spades and it does some really cool shit with it too. Let's go. Very excited. Yeah, this very, is a com- this nice. is a de- developer that's super confident in what they've got here. Yeah. Cool. No, it's great to great to hear that you loved it. Mm. Sounds like James and Adam are quite keen to play it. Rhiannon, is this uh, in your wheelhouse? This won't convert um, folks that don't like Souls games, by the way. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I well, should just mention Souls- that. <laughs> Look, the last Souls game I cried. Um, simply uh, don't don't we all though? <laughs> Prepare um, to cry. I also cry during Souls games, but I think for two different reasons. Uh, yeah, I'd say <laughs> look, so. Look, if you're a if you're a masochist, like that's you know that's totally up to you. Um, but yeah. honestly, like I I I play games to relax, not to be tortured. Uh, so um, and this doesn't feel like a learning experience. I wish to put any you know, additional <laughs> effort into. But I, I appreciate the beauty of them and uh, and I can appreciate all your enthusiasm for them. Enjoy. Yeah, this is this is not <laughs> this is not a relaxing time. Uh, although in saying that the exploration that they've really emphasized here um, means that there is a lot of good downtime in combat so that you can really just immerse yourself in the details of this world. And that's kind of relaxing. It's a walking sim Rhiannon. Relax, mate. It's all good. Yeah. Does it does With it have photo well. mode? Like it. Thank you for mentioning that. It actually does. Uh, and oh. it, it it as as oh. a in, just as as the in, 
it, I'm tongue-tying myself. I think it's going to improve a little bit. What I've played with so far is brilliant. So when you activate photo mode, it immediately saves a three, like a full 3D world. Um, and it, you can also save that 3D world state. So if you're in photo oh. mode, and you're like, this is a really cool fight. I'm just going to pause this here, but I'm not really sure what angles I like at the moment. I just know that there's something here. You can save that entire 3D world space and come back to it at a later time, which means... Folks, that like quite often there's a bit of pressure in a photo mode that, okay, this is a really good sequence. Let's change some filters. Let's find the angle. Eh, it's good enough. I'll save it. I can still do that, but I can also save the original world that I was hovering the camera around in and come back to that. They call it a 3D photo. And honestly, it's really impressive. The only thing I'm a little bit ho-hum on is it requires me to open up the, at the moment, I haven't figured out a shortcut for it. Like, pressing the analogs in. So rather when I'm in combat or the heat of the moment, there's something really cool. I've got to open up the main menu and press the right thumbstick. The only issue is, is this like Dark Souls, it does, doesn't pause. So I'm getting my shit pushed in while I'm trying to open the camera. Uh, <laughs> if they can fix that, if, if there's a workaround there, I've missed something so I can just open it up mid fight without having to compromise myself. Maybe Brilliant. assign it assign it to a button. Mm. Of and they, yeah, they, I think I haven't played this on keyboard uh, keyboard and mouse, so you can probably just do it a macro on keyboard and mouse, but mm. thank you for mentioning that, Rhiannon. Uh, the photo mode is actually one of the real cool highlights here, and, and I overlooked it there. Yeah. I've not heard of that as like a an option for a photo mode, I've but never I feel seen like a Souls-like is... A 3D It's like mode. perfect for a Souls-like, because you don't mm. want to fuck with your groove if you're, yeah. you know, you've, you've hit that that perfect Zen state of just fucking up a boss, mm. but it also looks really cool and you want to capture it. So yeah, that's really cool. I like it. Yeah. And of course this game looks incredible. So those photos are going to look very schmick. Keen. Nice. Very nice. Nice indeed. Well, James has also been playing a very beautiful looking game, but very different looking mm. game. Yes, James? I have. This, uh, Rhiannon, this might be a bit more up your relaxing uh, <laughs> avenue. So this is uh, Salt Sea Chronicles uh, from uh, mm, now. Okay. Is it Die Goot Fabric or The Goot Fabric? Does anyone whatever know? you say. Well, look, I, I've, I've offended someone either way, so let's just roll <laughs> on with it. Um, <clears throat> this is a, uh, a pretty lean experience. Um, so it's going to run you about... 10-ish hours. Um, but in terms of actual gameplay, this is a sec uh, essentially like a um, interactive storybook where um, you've got sort of static background images and you select points on that image to engage with, to uh, kick off like a text box, basically. Um, this is the world of, of Salt Sea, I think is the name of it. Um, it is alluded to be our world in a very like uh, very very post 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 uh, apocalyptic flooding event um that was kicked off by a bunch of greedy capitalists it's very of the time with its framing of that stuff and uh very amusing and uh insightful at the same time i would say uh, and in this flooded world, there is uh, a bunch of new cultures have popped up, a bunch of new spirituality and mythological stuff is going on. Um, and there is a bunch of like islands in this small map that you're going to be navigating. And each one has its own different culture and realm and customs that you're going to have to navigate with this small crew of a boat. Your captain goes missing in the middle of the night, uh, just before you guys are sort of like getting ready to set out on your big adventure into the seas. Um, and then you are tasked with tracking her down and sort of figuring out some, some grander mysteries that are going on out in, out in the world of salt sea um it's 
very, 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 very lovely, I would say. Like, I think this is a wonderful little experience in a lot of ways. Um, there's no voice acting or anything. There's a couple of little like, ah, oh, 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 oh like little fucking <laughs> ups and downs with the characters. Um, but this is all going to be, it's all text-based. So you're going to be doing a lot of reading. And so the writing has to be good. And fortunately it is razor sharp. Like it's insightful and warm and interesting and genuinely dramatic in ways I wasn't quite expecting. I think it's very easy to look at a game like Salt Sea Chronicles and expect cozy, quote unquote, or wholesome. Um, but the the whole point of having such a massive crew, because you do get quite a big crew that is kind of rotating in and out of the boat that you can choose two at a time to send out onto adventures, basically. Um, and there is genuine tension between these people. They feel like fully fleshed out individual people who have, you know, wants and desires in this world, and they do occasionally clash. Um, the game is sort of built around these... Um, uh, what are they called? Relationship quest issues, capital I issues. Um, and so you get like this big like quest log where you're tracking sort of everything that's going on throughout the world. Um, and as your crewmates encounter these issues together, you can log them, try to figure out how to best solve them, or you can just leave them alone entirely. It's entirely up to you sort of how you want to play this game. So if you just want to go to place to place and do your major quest points, you can just do that. Or you can in explore, get them to talk to each other, have them have new experiences that help them sort of see each other in, in in different ways. Um, and that's kind of it. That, that is, that is salt sea chronicles. Like it's, it's hard for me to sort of sit here and talk about it a lot because like, it's quite a minimal experience and not in a way that I think is bad by any stretch of the imagination. It just is a book effectively with some very, very beautiful art. I think they've said it's inspired by something called a risograph prints. Um, mm. it, it's, striking when when you see it in person it's very bold colors uh stark lines but nothing hard or, or harshly defined or anything very expressive the fashion the kind of the sense of place you get from everywhere you go to the way that color is used to punctuate dramatic moments or alleviate tension you know there was one point where we went on this like really spiritual kind of dark moment for the characters and then the next place we ended up at was this beautiful orange like archipelago looking thing and it just felt like sort of coming back up with the sun basically um so like aesthetics in that regard are really beautiful the soundtrack is stunning um it's it's really lovely um and that's that's kind of that's kind of it <laughs> like it's it's hard to know what else to, to say about this one uh, i've been playing on ps5 the performance is not good uh there there is a profound amount of screen tearing um in very odd way. So basically, you know, you start with like a still image of the island that you're on and then to navigate to the next part of the island, you just hit one of the bumpers and it shifts the screen left or right. While that happens though, it just splices in half. It, it is really unpleasant to look at. Um, and and it, it sucks, right? Because it's such a beautiful game. Um, and also I think that navigating this with a controller... You, you, you don't have a cursor, so you can't like move around to click on certain points. You just uh, get auto navigated between them by doing left or right, up or down, but it's very fucky. It, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't control, I think, the way that it probably should. This feels like a, a PC game that should probably be played with a mouse and keyboard. Um, but look, th those are minor gripes relatively. Uh, it, it's, it's a very, very nice little game. Had a great time with it. Good writing, good vibes. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I I checked out the um the demo like a while back and it was very mm. very cool. Very cool. So yeah. Rihanna, yeah. were you going to say something? 
Oh, I was just going to say, like, it's, um, I really like it when uh, games can inject real authentic societal moments into games. And I think that this company actually does it really, really well because um, it seems like a theme amongst um, all of their previous games and apparently this new title as well. Oh, mm-hmm. these are the Mutation decks. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. I've uh, been told a few times to play that. Mm. I had also I think we gave that. Uh, we I think well played gave that a ten. I, I think, think they might. Really? Have. I, th- I think they we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of distance there, but <laughs> but but the, you know um, the highest praise, right? Uh, if you look up this game, Salt Sea Chronicles on Steam, the the images are a vibe, and James says it's a good vibe. So there you go. Yeah. No, it's it's a, it's a really good vibe. It's. I mean, it, it is a lot of reading, right? And so, like, you've, you've got to be sort of in the mood to make a cup of tea, nestle in, and, like, really sink into this thing. Um, it's an experience that, you know, that there are so many layers to this world that they've created. It's simultaneously very uh, elusive and fantasy and super grounded at the same time. Like, you know, there's conversations about, like, cultures that you're invading and, like, just generally the way that people don't want to welcome you into their, their small homes that they managed to make for themselves at the end of the world. Um, while at the same time, there's there's a whole subplot about, like, dream walking where um, certain people in the world have the ability to sort of manually enter a dream world and use it as a way of receiving metaphorical information about the real world around them. And at some point you get to actually navigate that world. And it's just really, really cool. Um, I, I, I I would almost prefer this as a book. Um, like I, I kind of want a bit more connected prose between everything. Cause I think just purely navigating it with a controller is my only major, like, eh. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Hmm. Mm. Where are you uh, sitting on this one, Sailor? I reckon an 8.5. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Real good. That's Outriders. Sorry? It's on par with Outriders. Do we need to retire the Outriders joke? I'm going to table that conversation right now. (laughs) (laughs) I just like to see uh, Adam's face. Just like to make him squirm. I don't know what you mean. I'm not... I'm not praying that that joke dies. Look, like literally not. hands clasped <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. Our writers you fucking... B- no, you know what? I'm not going to defend myself. Never mind. Who made we our all writers? Have skeletons, I right? We all have skeletons. Fly? Correct. Yeah. What are they making now? Why do I know them? Probably... Uh, hang on. I feel like I'm losing my mind because I feel like I saw from the developer of Outriders recently. I only knew that name because of this fucking They're podcast. They're doing the Bulletstorm VR, but I doubt that's where you've heard them from. I uh, highly, highly <laughs> doubt it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, look, Salt Sea Chronicles. Good game. Good game. Really enjoyed it. Lovely little thing. Five, five. 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 If they if they develop Mutasian, then they would have developed uh, Sports Friends. Friends. If you haven't played that, mm. play Sports Friends. Well, it's not so at all. I'm like, I need to get around this catalogue. It is not I, um, a story-based game, but it fucking bangs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've I heard picked good up things about Mutation it. On, uh, for free uh, on Epic Game Store when they did it. You know, oh, when they do the free uh, yeah, nice. Well, they've got bundles on sale at the moment, so. They do indeed. Mm-hmm. Good time to get on board. Lovely. Indeed. All right, let's, uh, let's push forward. Let's talk about the big bad weekend that we had at PAX. We played a lot of good games. We won't cover everything because we will have some content up on the website. 
Rhiannon, how was your weekend at PAX? Give me a minute max on how you found the weekend. How I found the weekend? I found mm. the weekend just, look, it's always fantastic. Uh, and for myself personally, uh, wait, do you want me to talk about like me or the games? No, I'll talk really about you. how you, how, oh, okay. about your weekend. Well, my weekend. Uh, Whatever look, that I'll, means to you. Uh, a, a lot of big W's, a lot of little W's. Um, honestly, I, I could not – look, I, oh, I really don't want to sound up myself, but, like, I walked around and, like, a lot of people knew who I was and I was kind of, like – it was a very strange experience. Um, yeah, and I, I spent a lot of time talking to people and I had a lot of interviews and all sorts of things people wanted to talk about. You know, my work with Confessions of a Gamer Girl, they wanted all this stuff and I'm like, oh, okay. So the thing I set out to do is a thing. Yay. Um, but you know what? It was it was a fantastic event. Uh, I got to, I got to um, host some panels, uh, you know, just Bethesda panel, nothing big. Uh, and then a career, career in gaming nothing panel. Nothing big, just Bethesda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just a creative director and director of Hi-Fi Rush and um, Elder Scrolls Online. <laughs> They're great guys. Uh, really good. They are. Yeah. yeah. That little Hi-Fi. No, I'm not going to. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have no idea about that. Um, but the thing I do have an idea about is that uh, we got lots of, I got lots of good feedback, which was amazing. Love, love to see it. And there was, there was so many games. There was so many games. And Too I many. just, mm-hmm. there was a lot of ga- like there was, uh, yes, probably maybe too many for, <laughs> for how much we went through. Um, but you mm. know what? I loved it. There was student games. There was New Zealand games. There was returning indie games. There was the Big games, you know, Nintendo was there, like, oh, Bandai Namco, oh, please, please say less. Oh, uh, Bandai Namco showing off. <laughs> Poor old Bandai Namco, I was doing laps of the place looking for him. I didn't find him till Sunday afternoon, right at the yeah. back right end of the tabletop area, squeezed away in the back of console free play with no advertising whatsoever. I went over to him, I was like, what's oh. the dealio here? I've been able to find you, mate. He's like, well, you know, I didn't pay for a booth, so they stuck me back here. <laughs> 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 Good and in their defense, Bandai Namco showing off tech and aid, he said, uh, he, yeah. he said those PS5s were going hot, so hot that uh, one of them cooked it and uh, people were loving it. Oh yeah, they they, they fried one of their consoles. <laughs> I did not know that Tekken Eight was hidden all the yeah. way back up there. You, I would have been all over that. I was trying to find it, and as as I said, because they didn't pay for the booth, they were like, "Hey, do you want to bring it along?" They just shuffled him into the corner. They put them in. They put them <laughs> in the free play area. Um. Yeah, sneaky that is. But for those that um, found it, mm. seemed to really love it, and it looked sick. It was actually the first time you could play it in Australia, isn't that right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You'd think that would have been more front and center. It was. I think it's it would. It was. I, me- I mentioned Maybe if they it. open their fucking wallets next time. Uh, well, that's another thing. But you know who did open up Challenge their wallets? Laid down Bandai Namco. Do you know who <laughs> did open up their wallets? There were yes. so many PC exhibits. Wasn't Too there? Many. You saw the Cold Lamb just... one? Yes, I did. But like, Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, no, I just there was too many brands. Like I didn't. Gotta, some of them. Got to keep I, the lights on somehow, mate. Yes, true. With your big sneaker mm. PCs, that fucking atrocity. <laughs> sneaker PCs. Oh, is that what that was? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a transformer shoe, which you know, <laughs> I've said it out loud, <laughs> really doesn't make any sense. Um, but yes. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, let's quick. Let's let's keep going with how everyone's weekend was, because then we've got to talk games. Nathan, how's your weekend? Oh, I'll, I'll kick you off. Made it past Friday. Yeah, yeah. So fortunately, I did the full weekend this year. Woo! So smarter man. Yeah. I'm doing things hey. different. Uh, candidly, I was like um, unable to secure a re-up of like some of my like pretty pretty important like meds and shit like that. So I was like withdrawing hard during the weekend. I was not in a good headspace. In saying that, the weekend was fantastic. There was such a good energy on the show floor. Everyone I talked to was buzzing. Um, there was there was a great vibe of positivity throughout, which I didn't really get last year on my one day there because, you know, it was kind of post-COVID. There was a lot of, um, I don't know, hesitation amongst a lot of people there, a bit of uh, a bit of reservation. That wasn't there this year. Everything was popping off. And the indies, they were huge, man. They just came expanding and expanding. They're going to eat up half the goddamn show, if not more, at this rate. And good on them. They're showing off some good shit. Didn't see a single thing where I was like, Ugh, this is a little bit embarrassing, guys. You might want to keep this in the oven a little longer. <laughs> Did, didn't I, I myself didn't see that. I'm sure you folks did, but very good showing all around for what I saw. Very nice. James? Yeah, good weekend. Loved it. Good times. Nice. Amen. Adam? Also had a grand old time. I'll shout out the board game section because... Mm. That's what I do. Tabletop last year was kind of the little sanctuary that if you didn't want to get trampled by the hordes of people, you'd kind of head into the the tabletop area. Good fucking luck if you tried doing that this year. Right? Because it, it was, was crazy. fucking yeah. packed. That's and where you go to get trampled. A, yeah. A, that's because they had a lot of like bigger... Um, like just bigger names there. There were lots of lots more booths of like the the heavier hitters. Um, but B, I think because the Australian scene for designers is also thriving a little bit at the moment. The mm. the different games that were on show were quality and there were a lot more people kind of corralled around the Australian designed games. Um, and it was just, I think, laid out a little bit better this year as well. So I think that certainly helped. But no, I had, a, I had an excellent weekend. It was great from top to bottom. Good value. Zach, how was your weekend, mate? Tell us. Expensive, tiring, pretty fucking good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's where I'll I'll land. All right, let's talk about the games that we saw. Uh, we'll quickly go around the table and discuss a couple of games each that we want to shout out. Uh, Rhiannon, anything you want to mm. shout out game-wise? Uh, shout out uh, Dark Web streamer Chantel doing a fantastic job absolutely Um, yeah i i I spoke to her and you know she's she's one of the littlest devs around you know (laughs) she's so compact yeah Yeah. but you know what very small person yes but she i tell you she packs a punch Uh, (laughs) no she's great and um you know she was telling me she's like you know like i have my i think she had her partner there and like some of the other guy devs and you know what everyone goes up to the guys and i was like oh and I she's like this. she's 
Yeah. And I was like, come on, get out, you know, get out there. But yeah, no, fantastic. Love to see it. This, oh, it's so like, I'm, I'm not like, it's just creepy. Like it's not scary. Like I don't, I don't like horror games. Um, but I think the fact that this is cemented in such a massive, uh, you know, societal issue you know everyone can kind of relate to it it's really accessible for people but then yeah to kind of you know make it a bit more spicy is is really really fun um and it's um yeah definitely improved from last year as well so uh, we love to see that yeah, they've switched to Unity yeah. since then. Um, bit of a fundamental rebuild is is what I was getting. Um, and the game does look very crisp mm. now. Definitely, I think it's a, a massive testament to them that every single time I was in that indie area, there was no fucking chance of me getting hands on that <laughs> Correct. game because there were people around it twenty four seven. So that must be a a great feeling, and b it's just yeah, it's a testament to how. Well, the game's coming along. And C, I just really wanted to play it, but those goddamn crowds, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Was a, I had to beat them off a, with a stick. Yeah. But I think that that's that a testament few. to a very high-quality product on the floor. Absolutely. For sure. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was probably the biggest standout to me. Um, you know, it's, it's actually, speaking of being on the floor, you know, it, it was very populated not only by obviously, you know, people going but the actual exhibitors themselves. And um, it's, it's hard to stand out, I think. And, I, you know, testament to them to have a, you know, a black and white game you know, actually draw draw people mm. in because a lot of the stuff is, you know, quite colourful or that they put they put their most colourful things like on the top so that you can see it um, or, you know, like big writing and things like that. But I think, I don't know, they'll just chill, cool. We know, we know what we are. We're confident mm. that you're going to like it. It was nice. Yeah. I think it's impossible to be in this space and not have heard something about this game mm. so far, like over the past year, like since it won the indie showcase or whatever from last year. Um, I, but yeah, it's, I, I do agree that like, it's nice to see something that is so intellectually driven. Yeah. Uh, not, not, to, not that the other games are, but you know what I'm saying? Like a dark web streamer is not a normal video game. <laughs> like it's a, no. it's a very odd thing to be putting out there and that it's gotten received as well as it has is very exciting. Correct. Yeah. I, I just heard strangers on the show floor mentioning it all the time. I'd overhear dark web streamer, dark web streamer, like games, games doing the rounds. Yeah. That, that, that game was definitely pulling in big, big crowds and i think it won have they the called that yet showcase thing or is it still i thought i read that somewhere i think the it people's choice last year no people's choice is still voting at the moment okay. i think presented sure? by games because i got a thing on their discord today something about winning yeah I, I think it was in reference to winning last year because uh, ah, i right, saw the okay. same message and i was like oh and then i okay. yeah yeah right um, cool yeah still anyway. win <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely uh, in, in with a pretty definitely good chance, you would you would say. Yes. Back to yes, back, for mate. Sure. Mm. Let's go. I wonder if uh, that would definitely be the first back to back. Probably. Probably. Shout outs mm. to... Anyway, um, Adam, what did you like, mate? You haven't spoken much. Hello. New Zealand came to play again for me this year. I Last year was kind of 
stuck at the the New Zealand code booth and I spent a lot of my time there again this year. Um, I won't talk about one of the games because I feel like that'll get a bit more of a spotlight in a minute. Mm. The other mm. one that I'll have a chat about is called Up to Par, which is just this little uh, little golf cooperative slash competitive party game that to look at looks very much like any other little indie golf game just on the surface, but it's a roguelite <laughs> golf game. So you've got they're procedurally generated levels across, I think it's like six different areas that each have their own little gimmicks and you're given three shots for each hole. If you make it in, say you get a hole in one, then those two shots that you didn't use carry over to the next hole and so on and so forth. And then every six holes, you'll get like a little shop window that you can purchase upgrades. So um, for instance, one of them is you, you can see like a little outline of where the ball's going to bounce for say six shots. Another one is no matter how fast the ball's going, if it hits the hole, it will go in. It won't bounce out for four shots, but to purchase them, you have to use the shots that you've banked. So it it really is like a little roguelite experience, but in this little golf party game and you can play with, I think it's something absurd. You can play with up to like 16 people. I think they said, (laughs) or cooperative. You can play with up to four people sharing from one shot pool. Um, Really simple. It's very like easy to pick up and play. You'll understand you move one button done procedurally generated. So unlike, cause I've played a shitload of golf with friends. I know all of those, those holes inside and out. So, like, I still love it. I'll still play it. But unless there's new content, I'm playing through the same thing again and again. That kind of mitigates that as well. Um, so this this thing's going to be addictive as fuck. I'm going to play heaps of it. I'm going to get really mad at my friends and have a wonderful old time. So very, very keen to see that. And it's a one-man dev team at It's Anecdotal is the name of the studio. And I think he said he's been working on it for, like, six months and it's meant to come out in... <laughs> The, by the end of the year so he's absolutely smashed it yeah def- definitely heard up to par doing the whispers people talking yeah. about that and it's oh, nice. they were giving a little, <laughs> little laser cut um 3d golf star flag and a bowl yeah, yeah like that's adorable isn't it fucking how good costly who doesn't but- love um but who doesn't love a, a mini golf game or golf game? You know what I mean? Like, right, it's, right. It's so, it brings so people together, splits it's, them apart. You know what? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, you know, as someone, you know, you're going to shoot me or fire me in a second, but, you know, like sports ball, you know, sometimes feels a little bit inaccessible to me. Uh, no, so, I'm right there with you. Yeah, so I, but golf, like, I've, yeah, can definitely do that. So, shout-outs. Love that. Hit the ball, ball going hole. Happy day. Yeah. Go team, go sports. Go Madden. Go team, go sports. Well, speaking of sports, I reckon there's a game that Nathan wants to uh, talk about. Let's talk about the Aussie game of show, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Footy bash. Oh, you've got my little little footy bash. Footy bash. Hey. Let's do footy bash. I'm actually wearing it. I was going to wear mine too, but I didn't. Sorry. The sales pitch, I, I can keep this nice and short, Zach. The sales pitch, as as the developer said to me, and very pertinently so, 
AFL cross NBA Jam. I'm like, say no more, baby. Let's give it a go. <laughs> so this takes place. This is a uh, very sort of like pixelated, cartoony NBA Jam-esque AFL footy game, very arcadey, wacky in four players. It's got that couch multiplayer vibe, uh, two versus two multiplayers, how we set up. We've got the well-played team around there. I had to I had to pop by this booth multiple times to get around this because, and I'll be very clear, uh, very few games elicit the excitement that that game did in five minutes of picking up the controller and putting it back down again. Very sharp, very short game. Two, two and a half minute halves, I believe. And it's going to start with you making your footy Guernsey and they've got a great little Guernsey um, creator in there. So people were playing their, their Geelongs and their, their Collingwoods and their Lions. And that was a lot of fun. There's a lot of characters in here that have striking resemblances to licensed <laughs> players, which had us raising some eyebrows. But of course, this is cartooned down. So it's going to really surprise us if we hear about any kind of lawsuits. Um, but it's going to really tickle players that like their, uh, you know, AFL icons. They're here. This is a bloody game. So after you do your little uh, kickoff, you're going to be, you know, basically going after whoever has the ball. You're going to have little super moves that are going to dash you and sprint you. And then you're going to biff them in the back of the head and spray little pixelated blood across the field as you nick their ball and then dash off in the other direction, shooting to your mates. So um, I can't remember who on the team played against who. Was it? I can't remember who I was with. I don't think I really gave a shit. Do you guys know what the team comp was? <laughs> I know I lost, even though it, it was, was my Zach second time of playing. And it was me and Riyadh in the first game. Yeah. Just Adam and me. Mark. Mark. Oh, Mark. Yeah. And then yeah. the second time was me and Kieran. Yes, Kieran. So, so the well-playeders, we got around this booth a fair few times. Uh, no, and I kept losing my character. I was <laughs> It's very easy to lose your character. It's got that FIFA yeah. thing where your your active player is like constant, like frequently shifting around in conjunction to where the ball is. So it is, you know, I myself would constantly have my character running in the opposite direction because I was moving and you know I didn't know where it was. This developer, they says they've only been working on this in full swing for six months, which is frankly absurd because it's ran pretty darn well. And like I said, for for what is five minutes, putting up the picking up the controller and putting it down was exhilarating. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of good games on the floor, but not as many delivered that level of exhilaration in just a brief five minutes. This is something that I'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, PAX is always good for these little party games, and this has definitely been one of my favourites that we've come across i i do have a few questions for for the developer like i, I would love to know if this is just going to be a, a couch cop game or an online cop kind of game mm. um yeah maybe even you cross play uh because yeah i feel like if this was just couch cop i'm not sure if i'd get much use out of this right? no exactly it's that's it's going to require yeah. very particular circumstances not only multiplayer, uh, like, yeah, changing up some superpowers as well might be cool. Yeah, I, I would love to know what else they kind of got in the pipeline feature-wise because um, they said they're looking to ship in the next six months, basically. Yeah, um, they prob- probably have something along like, I don't know if, if you guys have played Party Animals yet, but it kind of has like that private kind of server where you just you join with a, a link code with your friends. Mm. Yeah, similar to Gang Beasts, that. where yeah. you can just kind of jump in with your mates. Mm. So, so like Zach, I'm hopefully this gets some multiplayer implementation because mm. I, yeah, I feel like that's going to sure. be what makes or breaks it. Yeah, but it, I mean, it, it was very cool, very fun, and addictive, very brutal. 
Um, Pick up yeah, the we all had a good laugh and yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, me, me and Adam will remain at one win, one loss each. So <laughs> yeah, mate, the rubber match is coming one day, mate. Mm. Pay yourself. I just, I just, I just hope. Um, and this is a very this guy. This is a bit of throwback packs wise, but we had a blast. Playing Kung Fu Kickball. Ah, uh, Kung Fu Kickball. Yep. At PAX, right? And we were like, this game is awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah. And then it came out and... Well, yeah. one, one of the it big things fine. working against that was that the net code was just virtually non-existent. Yeah. So that, that's what I kind of mean. Like, it'll live or die by its multiplayer implementation. And mm. sadly, I fear that for uh, Footy Bash 2, but we can hope for the best. <laughs> No, I think uh, you know, given that uh, AFL hasn't had a, a great run of ga- uh, video games this year, this uh, this could be a little there is a, a little void to feel. Fuck yeah! So now, very very keen to check this out, James. Yeah, I'm sensing yeah. some. Uh, I have no idea what I was going to say, some but I'm, sensing, I'm just sensing. Good something. one, excellent. No, <laughs> um, some no ferns, Nathan, mate. you said when you were talking about uh, this um, footy game, the like being able to provide like a really like big moment in such a short amount of time, yeah. right. On the, on the, the show floor. Um, Rosenlocket's tutorial for me was that moment. Like the, the game opens with two massive black bars and a really thin stretch of the scene that you can see. And it's this like really stylized cartoonish hyper colorful world. Think um kind of like early Clone Wars. What's that artist? Oh, uh, he did like uh, Samurai Jack and stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that kind of like really stark line work. Um, and it just comes up with, you know, push the stick to move or whatever. And there's nothing on the screen. So you're like, what am, what am I moving? As you push the stick, two little feet run along through that fucking scene. And I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> let's go. Um, and like the, this entire game, I think what took me so much about it is that like, yes, it's a very technically side-scrolling Technically kind of, uh, what is it, Hollow Knight adjacent. You know, you've got like a couple of attacks, uh, dodging. Like all of the the, the basics of the genre are, are here, right? But the way that the studio, whose name I had up just before, Wizard. Uh, Whistling Wizard. Whistling. Um, yes. The way they have used sort of cinematic framing, the way they've uh, changed sort of like foreground and background in the same level to make you sort of move in between them effortlessly is just stunning the voice acting i was already fully in love with like you know i love my writing in games there was a, a certain moment so the, the premise of rosen locker is that you are a mother who is trying to get her daughter i think out of a cursed locket that she's wearing around her neck um and to do this she is going to be going into this game's approximation of hell to take on the seven deadly sins yeah something yep. like that yeah um yep. so i think the first thing you, you fight is envy i uh, I'm not sure. One of the guys. Rough. One of the sins. Because you're working for Envy. Right. Is okay. It, yeah, cool. Is it the sins sins from Friday night, James? Huh. <laughs> mm. What did you two get up to? <laughs> Don't worry about it. No. Um. And so, like, you you sort of go through the level. You, you get up to this boss fight. And then before it kicks off, the two of them are having a very, like, dramatic exchange. Uh, and, you know, she's like, fucking make your choice, man. Are you going to, like, fight me or are you going to get out of my way? Um, and she's like, you know, you've made your choice. And he says, no, like, that's my right. And it's like, let's fucking, it was just 
good. It just worked. It just clicked. Very cinematic, very fun, cool assortment of guns that you can work with. Great dodge roll mechanic. Cannot fucking wait to see how this turns out. Yeah, this yeah, I, when I said Footy Bash was Aussie game of show, uh, this this gets NZ. Nah, let's be honest, overall game of show. Let's come on, boys. <laughs> it, this, yeah. Look, I'm still chewing on some stuff, but like nothing. This shocked me as much as this game shocked me. And like to to Zach's credit. He tried to get me to play this quite early in the PAX run. And I, I took one look at the fucking side scrolling. I said, no, nah, I don't give a shit. I don't like side scrollers. Sure. And then I finally got over there and played it and just could not stop recommending it to everybody since. Mm. Um, so, you know, I apologize publicly to Zach, uh, but also hey. would you trust that face? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go and play and you were like, nah, it looks rubbish. So neither was actually went and actually played it. Oh, um, okay. Right, right, right. right. You know, but no, I, I, impeccable. I gave it a play. And uh, I tell you, I think the, the idea behind the theme of it, it's like sort of like a supernatural Western yes. theme. Yep. Like, and mm. I think that that's mm. what gives it its charisma. And yeah, it's yeah. really And yeah. starring a mum. Yeah. Right? Like yes. having a, like yep. a, a, a female protagonist Badass who's like mom. old enough to be a mum. She's got a fucking gun. <laughs> Let's oh, go. Outstanding. I was thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. I was like, I, I know this is going to probably annoy some people, but it's almost got this Tarantino-esque stylish mm. like, cinematic yeah. cutting to it. It's not yeah. quite Tarantino, mm-hmm. but it's got, you know, fast cuts that are super cinematic and yeah, just really play with perspective. It's edited tightly. It's, yeah, like I, it's, it, very, it's very nice to see them. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Very much so. It had me. One of the... One of the developers that I was chatting to after playing it was saying they have lots of influences from like old school comic books, the way that a lot of Mm. it is framed, particularly just before you ascend to the tower, it like cuts Mm -hmm. the the screen in half and you play a little platforming section at the bottom and then you get on a platform and it raises and it raises without moving the camera at all to the second panel to where you continue on. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's straight out of a comic book. And yeah, and you're like she's foregrounded at that point. You yeah, know? like it, it, it changes perspectives completely in that moment. It's ugh, so and all good. of like the 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 changing color palettes between the because mm-hmm. it's like you we played for like maybe seven eight minutes, and yeah. we saw maybe like four or five different color palette shifts, and they were all really mm-hmm. striking and bold. And yeah, I'm with Nathan. I think this is my game of show, mm-hmm. and it 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 is. A surprising little gem that I cannot wait to play more of. It has such an outstanding mm-hmm. command of its aesthetic at any moment. Yeah. I'm just, I just can't wait. I need mm-hmm. to see more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's a, we're saying all of this based on, like Adam said, seven minutes of, of yeah. gameplay. It was so quick and yet it left such a strong impression. Because mm, I, I think above a lot of other games that should are shown off it had such a firm grasp on its identity mm-hmm. like it, yeah. it knew what it was it knew what it wants to be and where it wants to go and it had just such a strong showing right mm-hmm. from the word go yeah you, you don't have to there's, a, there's a couple things it. about it that, like, <laughs> that i want to point out but the but like my favorite bit and i was with with adam when i was playing was that the, the soundtrack in that opening tutorial yes it's kind of like like yeah. a little kind of guitar kind of thing it was very, very, very cool. Very like, not adrenaline, but hype building. Like you know, like oh, yeah. it was like mm-hmm. let's fucking yeah. go. Like well, what are we doing? But this other thing, and I think this helps uh, why it was so tight, right? Because I think they said they've been making it for for about five years. Mm. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So, so you, you you know think about like Footy Bash for example, right? That's been going <laughs> for six months. Yeah. You know, and then you've got this game, which is five years developing. 
uh, in development. Um, so just, yeah, you kind of, you'd want it to be tight after five years. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it certainly still shows. It's a story-driven uh, game as well. That takes time mm-hmm. to get it right. Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, speaking of story-driven games that are pretty tight, uh, I checked out The Drifter. Hmm. And I, I think we all did. I mean, I watched, I the, watched, I watched the entirety of it over your shoulder, if that helps. Right. Yes. Yeah, Close enough. Near enough <laughs> is good enough, as we like to say. I, I've seen podcast. the entirety uh, of that demo like twice over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was fantastic. That that was there yeah, from Melbourne's um, a Melbourne studio called Power Hoof. Power they Hoof. They like a two two person dev team, but they're making two different games. And when I spoke to the, the developer thing, he's like, Oh yeah, Steve is making the other one or whatever. I don't know if it was Steve, but <laughs> it was you know, some other guy. He's like, Oh yeah, Darren's oh, making the other game. I'm making this one. It's like this is insane. Like uh for for one person to kind of make this very Australian. The voice acting was excellent. Um point and click. I was talking Ish. with it might have been KS and, and we were kind of talking about Australian voice acting in games and it can be quite not off putting but because it's your own own accent you kind of yeah. it it's got to be good it doesn't immerse um, you enough i think I, I would say here we go what i always struggle with is that to me it sounds dialed up to 10 it's how Saturated. I talk to my American mates when I'm trying to be a fucking <laughs> about it, you know. Uh. Oh, sorry, Jim. Um, <laughs> As in, um, you're but, talking about the game? Yeah, well, like broadly when I hear a, a lot of Australian voice acting in video games, to me yeah. tends to be leaning really hard into like Sheila as opposed yeah, but, to just yeah, saying but, it like a person. Yeah, but Broken Roads is set in the outback. There's that. Yeah, but, but Broken that, Roads, but the Drifter did this as well. Like the Drifter was extremely. Uh, he was a bum though. He was a full on. Yeah, but but was, like it can't be like every notable Australian he game was James does Bogues, this. Mate. He was, but no, like for uh, there's an Australian character in Apex Legends, Fuse, yeah. and like f- completely fair enough, he's hilarious and he's a great character, but he's a caricature of yeah an Australian. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in fairness, all of the the different characters in Apex are like those. The ethnicities turned up to eleven. Yes. Maggie, the New yeah. Zealander, is like New Zealander <laughs> turned up to eleven. But I don't think it is as weird hearing other ethnicities because maybe we just we don't see them enough or we stereotype mm. or whatever it is. But yeah, I think it would probably be the same for for most cultures who don't get that as much. If you're American, you fucking uh, every character has an American accent. So it yeah, it probably bounces yeah. off you quite easily, but mm-hmm. for lesser explored cultures and ethnicities, I think it, it, we we probably all cop that a little bit, but, I would say. I mean, have you met, have you like met an Australian weird. Mate? caricatures a lot of them. So I guess it makes sense. <laughs> it's <laughs> the whole bunch. Of calm. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. this fucking guy in the game sound like Nathan a little bit. There you go. I reckon. I can. I can. There was a little and bit of Nathan in him. A little bit of Nathan yeah. in him. I look. I, I didn't think it was That's turned different. up too much. Um, no, I, I thought it. I thought it fit the tone and the style, yeah. and the and the character and the character of the game. I, I thought it fit perfectly. I thought it was great. Um, so James can go. Fuck yeah! Go fuck yeah! Um, no, like, okay, yeah, I, I really really. Lo- so this is. Did, did you get to talk a, to them uh, at all? 
to... Like, in terms of, like, around the, the like, development time. Sorry. Like, do we know when this is did, coming out, potentially? Or that's in the vague part a, of the memory? Year or so. Yeah, I want to say it's at, le- it's at least a year away, yeah, I think. Because that demo uh, looked from, tight. From, from, from what I can remember. Like, I was like, this, yeah, this looks was, like a game that's it, pretty But far it is around. very, very... It is a very small sample though, right? Um, so so I'll just read the Steam synopsis for you, but it says it's it's a pulp adventure thriller. A murdered drifter awakens alive again seconds before his death, hunted and haunted, help him untangle a mad web of conspiracy in this fast-paced point-and-click thrill ride. So basically you open up on this uh, train carriage and there's another uh, uh, person who's like, you know, jumped up on this train and copped a free ride and then your character tries to basically leave, but there's this body in the way, so he takes the, the this like tarp off off the body, and this it's this it's this man who's like freaking out and talking gibberish. Kind of sounds a bit like Gollum in like some parts. Goes a bit crazy, um, but it kind of uh, what's the right word? It teases, I guess, or something. That, that there's this thing going on he's either a batshit crazy or there's like some wild shit going on right um and kind of right before he dies he gets shot in like the first you know two minutes of the game he says you have to break the cycle right and yeah no it's a it's a, it's a cool little setup um and i'm keen to keen to check out more and i really really dig the the art style and like the color tone to it uh, i think it's i think they've done a a very very good job also quite also cinematic. the wheel we love the wheel. Oh, yes. Actually, th- I'm glad you brought that up because I played the demo for this game before the podcast just to kind of get a little bit more hmm. b- back with it. The demo we played at PAX is not the demo that we played at, at home. Oh, okay. It's the same It's the same um, uh, sequence of events, but it's clearly less fleshed out. So there is no wheel right. on the Steam demo. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so one one really really cool thing that they had in this demo at PAX is that they had like a object wheel, I guess you would call it, and you could basically click on a area and it would bring up this little tiny wheel and give you a set number of interactive points within that area, right? So so rather than uh, clicking all across the, the screen and whatnot, it kind of gave you what is within distance of where you are. Um, and it was just a real nice and accessible, a real nice, sorry, uh, and like modern kind of spin on that kind of uh, gameplay. Uh, yeah. All right. Any other games we want to talk about? James, you played Conscript for a fair bit. So that's the first time you've played it? Uh, I did about five minutes last year. Right. Um, so not much compared to the 45 odd that I got <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that thing is shaping up beautifully um i know we, we've talked about it a fair bit on the show but this what well, you know world war one horror pixel resident evil inspired kind of vaguely top down ish looking uh thing it's the, so the opening was very action heavy um a few assortment of guns uh you know you, i mean you're in a war zone right so naturally there's going to be a fair bit of combat um and that was to my understanding, like the bulk of most people's demo. And then there's a, there was a second part that we got to play, which was much more survival horror. You know, dude gets knocked out, guns get taken away, time to start stealthing around these these kind of like trenches and, and barracks and whatnot. And 
Yeah, I, I, I remember the moment it really clicked for me is I had found a shovel at one point and I could see an enemy soldier sort of like coming down the trench at me. So I just quietly hid behind like where he couldn't see. As soon as he walked out, whacked him over the head with a shovel. And like, it's gruesome. It's it's violent. It feels very textured and, and weighty. Um, like you're not killing monsters, right? You're killing other people. And like, They've got kind of a vaguely monster-ish vibe to them. They're, you know, demonized in the way I think the enemy soldiers are probably always going to be demonized in this kind of art. Um, but, you yeah, know, I really, really, really liked it. I'll be writing something about it very, very soon. Um, still need to sort of organize my thoughts a bit more clearly. But, yeah, no, that thing is coming up very, very nicely. And I think hopefully we'll be seeing it next year as a, a full release. So Yeah, he was saying, because I spoke to him quite a bit while you were Enjoying yourself. Then, I could um, hear you having a good old chinwag about which Resident Evils were the best one. Do you know how often <laughs> I wanted to turn around and jump in, but I'm there like, nah, play the game, be professional. <laughs> so there, there'll be uh, other other opportunities for yes. that. But yeah. um, no, nah, he's a he's a great man. Through it all, Jordan. Um, mm, good bloke. Big Resident Evil fan, and we love that. Uh, and there's a lot of. I mean, you would have felt it or seen it. Playing that oh game yeah, is, is, like you know, item boxes, limited inventory yeah. management. Um, it, it's it, this is a Resident Evil game. Sorry, there's like a merchant. Yeah, yeah, there's like character. a merchant character. Yeah, very Resident Evil Four. Like actually, even some of the animations felt very like the uh, the initial village assault in in Resident Evil Four. Like it is clearly a game that knows where its inspirations come from. But what he's done with it is, uh, you know, the the press email that went out before Pax said this, and I kind of like snorted at it a little bit. But it is true. Like it's Signalis adjacent, not because it's similar to Signalis. But because, like Signalis, it is doing very much its own thing with it. Fuck um, yes. And I think that's very exciting. And that, that, yeah. That's a high-praise comparison too. It is. Yeah, Signalis was one of the best games of it last year. It understood the like, assignment. I, I sincerely hope this. Exactly, yeah. And it really does feel like Jordan and, and the team have understood their assignment. Mm, I'm delighted yeah, well, to hear it's, that. It's pretty much just just him. Like, um, mm. He's been at it for six, like five years or something. I feel like it was like five yeah. when you did the Made in yeah. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, God. So it could be six or well, seven, yeah. Like yeah. I, was, I was chatting to him about that and he basically said that, you know, he's pretty much made every mistake in the book along the way. Sure. It's kind of doubled his development time, you know, so moving forward, yeah. you know, it'll definitely be he's, a lot. Um, he's got himself an education alongside developing the thing. Pretty much, yeah. No, he's a good dude and he, he spoke very, very well about the game and we hope it Conscript does does very well. Um, when it should come out next year, I think he said it's like ninety percent done or something to that to that extent. And now that you know, now that he has a publisher to handle everything else, um, mm, yeah, he can just focus on on the game. Uh, cool. Anyone else got any other games they want to shout out very quickly before we move on? Uh, we love seeing Blackheart again, didn't we? Shouts to them. <gasps> We did. Fucking shout outs to the Blackheart team. They are getting there with that game. Um, it feels mm. like Adam and I, I think we had a, a good conversation about yeah. this, but like the core m- combat of that game really stood out on the show floor. They yeah. um, and they you, also... And can... Sorry, Zach, go for it, mate. No, no, no. Please go. Um, they also jumped in and broke the game a little bit to, to give us a little tease as to, to what's to come. Because I think on the show floor you could... You get your, a couple of basic attacks and a couple of uh, like beefier cooldown attacks to to kind of 
give you an idea. Whereas last year it was very much just like a fireball to kind of, it was more of a proof of concept last year than anything else. Um, and we were talking about it. He, you know, recognized that we played it last year and he was like, all right, fuck it. You seem like you're doing okay. Do you want a real test? And here's me puffing <laughs> my chest out. I'm like, motherfucker, let's go. Come on, bring it on. So he teleports me to the boss of the area, gives me the full suite of abilities. And I just got my ass fucking handed to me. Hubris. Like, oh, mate. <laughs> I, be- I was very much shook, shook hands and left at that point. But it, <laughs> it did give an message, idea. Mate. I would have been in the wings. <laughs> <laughs> Eat my ass. Um, it You'll very much know, gives though, a- Just very, very quickly is that you lasted longer than KS at that moment because he also was hey. doing quite well. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's all, that's all I ask for in this life. That's, that's really all I ask for. Um, but no, it gave an idea of the scope that they're aiming for. And it makes me very excited to see more of the game. Hmm. And it's good. Um, it's good seeing games uh, like that, I guess, back to back because you can kind of see absolutely improvement that they've made. Um, mm. so even though that it was the same demo as last year, right, it's much tighter, much more polished and, and that, um, Nathan, I think, I think you were going to shout out a game. Yeah. I'll, I'll do two back to back real quick over in the New Zealand space. There was beyond these stars, which was sitting, uh, just across from Rose and Lockett. So this is the follow up to before we leave, which was a, like a sandbox colony development sim from New Zealand a few years back. I, it was off my radar. Uh, this looks fantastic. This is set on the back of a space whale because space whales are the big thing in thing right now. And you're going to terraform the back of this space whale. Uh, the space whale is just really lonely. So it's really excited to have someone on its back, um, you know, making a home. So I thought, you know, the premise of it, really sweet. Visuals of it, really neat. It's uh, the, the world's laid out in like a hex-based uh, grid. So whenever I see a hex base, that looks colorful. I'm like, oh, this game looks interesting. So I was having a chinwag to him and it looks really neat. And as you progress so building your colony, uh, the game gives you like loose story objectives. So there is a main plot to follow if you want to, but like farming sims and stuff like that, you can just kind of leave it on the periphery. Uh, when you do develop far enough, you'll be able to uh, go sort of like into, like into the galaxy and you'll be able to do diplomacy and that with aliens. I just think it's a really dinky little theme and um, I'm just absolutely tickled by it. The other thing I'll just quickly mention, uh, Melbourne's own The Dungeon Experience. Uh, this, like uh, Dark Web Streamer, just had a big crowd the entire time. A demo I didn't actually go hands-on with. It was like 45 minutes, but I stayed in line to watch this full demo twice, so didn't need to play it. Uh, a couple of standouts. So this is a game that's got you... It's it's like a kind of a... I hate to say this, but a meme game. It's not a meme game, but it just plays on like really absurdist humour. Uh, so it's about you and this crab that are locked in a dungeon that are basically trying to um, overthrow uh, financial stress and capitalism. Like it's constantly playing on themes of like the current world's like financial issues for the working class, but through the lens of this really absurdist twist on first person role-playing RPGs like Skyrim and that told through the lens of the fucking Stanley Parable. Like this thing is such a pitch. And uh, the big note is uh, during the before you play the game, they make you listen to a tape deck. Like they've got a physical tape deck there, which is the 
the crab like talking to you hey man i'm such and such how you doing and he's like talking to me about hey we're gonna like get over we're gonna overthrow capitalism man and then he gives you like a saxophone recital for like two minutes and he's like yeah okay you're ready to play it was just absurd and then you get in and the game's like okay so now we're going to show you how to play the game see this barbarian in order to use the thumbsticks properly his nipples are going to elongate for you they're super sensitive though so you're going to pull those triggers to gently squeeze his nipples back into place not too hard now and uh just just the way that this looks is just bizarre and then obviously and then i remember that they had a player going into like an office space outside of the dungeon trying to figure out how to get out someone was like uh you know just chuck some shit together it, it makes no sense and there was a dude that was like on all fours he's the table apparently so someone took some chips that were sitting in a bowl on top of his back and then fed him and then we got told it was good of you to feed the table you're clearly a very concerned person just a, just a really weird game that plays on social etiquette and social issues of the day told through this weirdly comedic inversion of uh yeah first person dungeoneering games cross stanley parable it's wild it's really funny to watch i don't as i said i don't know what it was like to play um but but this is definitely something that's gonna stay on my radar and i think it's it genuinely quite hilarious nice Rhiannon, you got any other games you want to shout out? Yeah, like the, if we're going to go along the lines of Zany and kind of a bit weird, um, Bears in Space, did you guys <laughs> play that one? Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I know that you don't like it when I talk about this game, but kind of like on Rick and Morty kind of vibes, you know, the game. Oh, high, high on, on life. life. Oh, High on Life. Yeah. High on Life, yeah. Uh, it's sort, of, sort of that kind of... You know, weird, obviously less offensive, but um, but yeah, just kind of like random and you know, like bullet guns, weapons, rockets, just any yes. anything, anything Love you want. Those bullet guns. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is bears. Hey. I take it. And there's bears. Okay. Yeah. Bear play as a bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Play, you yeah, you so play I, as a bear. Do you shoot other bears? Uh, no. Nah, no. Robots no. and all Robots. sorts of other shit. Yeah. So I actually got to go off location and actually have a interview with the developers for this during Dream Packs. Um, that, w- that was quite the interview should be up at some stage, maybe after this potty, but uh, we'll see how good the transcript is for that one, how long it takes. But um, interesting little chat. Apparently they, this is the part that is wild to me, right? So this whole Raven's Court deal, this publisher deal, they signed that about two years ago or more than just, just over two years ago. And they only announced it this week. Um, so this whole time they've been signed by this publisher and just, you know, hitting hitting the grindstone, mate, on that uh, Bears in Space. But basically this deal al- allowed them to go from part-time devs into full-time devs, and that's why the... Um, blah. What's the word? The scope has, like, you know, expanded quite a bit and... Um, yeah, it kind of. I think uh, Adam, did you play it? Yeah, mate. I I played, oh, you played it, it alongside with, you. Yeah, you did. I can't remember if that was James or you, but it was both of you. No, I it? played like two minutes and gave it to Adam because right, I thought okay. he'd be better at it than I was, <laughs> and uh, I was right. Very, very much um, like early, early two thousands y or like like two thousand ten y kind of like first person shooter kind of like time time splitters. It's it's got the sort of comedic appeal there it's 
possibly going to be quite funny. It was hard to kind of concentrate while. Well, I wasn't really listening entirely to like to, to yeah. what was going, kind mm, of yeah. going on. I had like you know I had 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 one earmuff off while I was um, chatting to one of the devs, so I kind of didn't catch it all. But yeah, it looks it looks quite fun, and um, I'm rooting. You know, I'm I'm rooting for them. So is is it mm, a think, Melbourne think, yeah. based or do we know? No, they're Brisbane. They're Brisbane, Brisbane based. Broadside Studios or Broadside Games, I can't remember what exactly what, but uh, but yeah, like like that. Like when I was chatting to them, they kind of asked like, "What'd you think, right?" And I was like, "Look, you know, don't you know, don't don't take this the wrong way, but much better than what I was expecting, right?" Because um, I had no kind <laughs> of real, I didn't, didn't know what to expect. I'd only kind of seen it from yeah. a couple of years ago when it was like this. It looked just like a. Well, like a student game, right? Yeah, you know, I, I know yeah. that that sounds quite mean, but I kind of I got that vibe, it's right? Quite this is just a bunch of kids. Yeah, right. Proof um, of concept, almost. Yeah, and then I played it. and I was like, "Fuck, this is actually pretty tight. Like, this, this is going to be quite. This is going to be fun. This is this is pretty good." Um, the bear so, back you on it. Out, though. The yeah, fair. <laughs> the night before, um, you were saying that you had the your interview and whatnot. I I looked it up on Steam. And kind of gave it a, a cursory glance and kind of did the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, sure thing. But yeah, hands on. It's um, it's pretty fun. Kind of controls mm. a bit boomer shootery, doesn't it? Like Unreal Tournament. Yeah, Unreal very much. You got a very quick, yeah. very smooth. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. Probably, it probably was it was a bit too quick. I think I struggled mm-hmm. with that, like to kind of get yeah to get a groove because it was just too fast. Plus, it was like what fucking eight. How was it like nine like nine a.m. in the morning? Yeah, so I yeah, wasn't, well, I wasn't real fast at that point either. So <laughs> that sounds positive. Yeah, nice, good shout, good shout. Mm. Uh, mm. Adam, let's uh, let's quickly let's wrap it up by talking about maybe Into the Dead. Yeah, that was my last last shout out. We got to spend between half an hour to an hour, kind of interchanging, playing Into the Dead: Our Darkest Days, which is. I think it's either the third or fourth game in the Into the Dead series. The other games have been mobile titles, um, but Pickpock, which is a, I think they're a Wellington-based studio. Uh, this will be their first PC game. So they're branching out to make something a little bit bigger, bolder, and with a, a wider scope. So more or less, it's got kind of two different elements to it. One is kind of a base building, base management style sim, I suppose. The other, which what we got to play, was kind of a a side-scrolling action horror game, I suppose. It's set in the 1980s after a zombie apocalypse happened in the late 70s. So it's got a very 70s feel, lots of uh, like velvet couches and orange and browns and beiges and all of that. Um, They're... Shout outs to their um their booth as well. It was kitted out in all 80s, 70s gear. Looked very cool. Um, but the game itself, you play as uh, a range of survivors. You have little objectives in different locations. The main one that we played was in a police station. So you have to go in, you have to get uh, search for keys to get into the evidence room. And there's a, a whole little objective that you need to to complete in the area before then uh, getting out the other side to to go back to your base, and you want to loot loot stuff on in in the in the interim as well. Um, combat wise is fairly simple. Um, you have different melee weapons, uh, 
hammers, crowbars, that sort of shit, bats, uh, as well as some ranged weapons, guns, shotguns, all of that jazz. Um, and they degrade over time. So I think you can usually get through like maybe four or five zombies before the weapon breaks and you have to switch to something else. Um, I did, I've really enjoyed my hands-on time with it. This was another one that the trailers, like cinematic trailers set the scene really well. I think because they've been playing around in this world for quite a while, they've got a good idea as to what the tone they're trying to go for is. So it does a, a really good job of setting the scene. Looking at gameplay, I wasn't immediately blown away, but getting hands-on, I got a better feel for what they're trying to go for. It's less, it felt, it kind of looked at a glance, like kind of more of a, a puzzle platformer look, but it definitely leans more into like the horror action side of things. Um, I was chatting to James and it gave me feels for this war of mine. It kind of has mm -hmm. that similar kind of feel to it. I didn't get a full grasp on what the game's going to be because I didn't get to see the other side of it, which was the the base management style part of it. Um, so we're picking up and interacting with a lot of things in the world that I couldn't get a feel for, but just on the short little bit that I played, there's permadeath. So you'll be swipping, switching out between a bunch of different survivors. They all have different abilities. There's night, there's day. There's one really cool part where you see some horrific thing in the police station, bodies hanging up or somewhere like that. Um, and you get a status effect. It was something like um, trauma or like, something. Trauma. Like, yeah, that's it. it. Like yeah. Trauma. trauma. Yeah. That's Did exactly you hear the, it. And um, it had like the background yeah. noise. So there was the, yeah. some fuck off Mr. X thing going on. The audio in the game was actually quite cool. It 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 does a lot to to carry the the atmosphere. But yeah, it alluded to a lot of cool little systems that is hard to kind of get across in just a short little demo. So I'll keen I'll be keen to play more of it. But it definitely left a, a good impression. I know that you guys played it as well. You might have different opinions, but I I walked away pretty positive on it. I I liked it. I'm keen to see how they make it into a game that is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I say that because I just, because uh, you went first, right? So, so the idea is if, and I know this is probably not a good opinion in the sense that it's not meant to be played as like a co-op game, right? You know, you're not going to play it with four other people or sorry, three other people and take turns. Yeah. Very solo that. experience so, for sure. But I just, but I also want to mention this because I feel like if you're, if you're playing this by yourself and you've gone, you know, you've gone a run, let's call it that, and you've gone, I don't know, an hour into the game or half an hour into the game, like whatever it may be, that backtracking through that kind of, I think, could maybe be like a little bit tedious or like a little bit kind of, but I mean, again, like that, that's, that's based on a very limited yeah. hands-on yep. time. But I'm just thinking yep. how, how are they going to make this not feel that, basically? Um because I if, think if, my preference, yeah. sorry to interrupt, would certainly be to, oh, because I, I mean, the other option, the other clear option, I suppose, is to re completely reset the level and you have to, to go through it again. I would much rather walk through a couple of empty rooms to get back to where I was than to trudge through the exact same zombie placement, the exact mm -hmm. same item placement and whatnot. Um, and also the, the levels. Like, this is the thing though. I was going to say the levels aren't, I didn't find them to be too massive. And I think it, you probably suffered because I knew the layout of the level. And if I 
were to continue with my survivor, I'd know exactly where to go, but you kind of needed to acclimatize to that level for the first time. So I think, like you said, if jumping in maybe second survivor on the, the run might've been a bit rough, but I do, I certainly see what you mean. It, it could get but old. But I'm all mean like from the whole overall world though. Like if you've yeah. gone on a run that you've gone to half a dozen locations and you've done all this shit and then mm. you've just got to, I don't know. I mean, yeah. But that progress isn't lost when the character dies. Like it's, it's sort of progress tied to the camp instead of the individual survivor. I got the impression. Correct. Yeah, but I just mean the actual. The, it was. It's the. The the act or the enjoyment of just walking back through, empty hallways. Yeah. Yeah. Just just trying to get back to where, you were. Mm. I don't know. It be might be cool if they could have this kind of thing where. I don't know. Hey, the radio's out, and the the other character comes up and maybe, is where you are, kind of thing. Perhaps rather than having to go back. Do you, do you, yeah. So you kind of what, what I mean pick up where you left off rather than kind of maybe or in a or they, in a nearby spot yeah anyway they did allude to the fact that the the level will change somewhat in 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 later stages as as well so it i mean it's the the same thing with any sort of demo like this you get a little snapshot but you don't get enough to yeah. kind of build a true opinion on it but yeah i certainly see what you mean absolutely but in saying that, like I quite liked it, and I quite like how uh, Harriet—I don't remember her last name—but the director of the game, mm-hmm. or someone in, involved in a, in a, you know, in a good good position with the game, she was saying how they're looking to make, or they want to try and make the zombies feel uh, seem a bit more humane, so there's a bit more like life to them, rather than just being deadbeats that kind of walk around. Yeah, the, the again, idea they were talking about. Yeah. Well, that's it. So I I went back uh, on Sunday. I kind of did like a bit of a loop to say goodbye to some people. I ended up having a bit of a chat with them then again. Um, and I, I was like, yo, is the, the idea being that these zombies retain some memory of their real world or their, their human life. Right. And so, and you see this really well in the animations. Like sometimes the zombies felt very sad to me. Um, yep. And I thought that was quite a, a good little bit of tone setting, but I was like, Hey, is that going to actually play into it mechanically at any point. And they were like, eh, it's probably more of a vibe thing and a narrative thing than an actual mechanical impact, um, which is, you know, it, it's fine. Like that, it would be quite ambitious, I think, to do more on top of what we already still haven't seen from this game. Um, but like broadly, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was very polished. Um, I, I could sort of see this coming together nicely. Uh, very interesting that they, this is like, they've been, they've been a studio for, a while. I don't mm. remember how long, but it was like, you know, we're, we're talking about like double digit years, right? Like, this is like, yeah. like yeah. years or something. They're very this established. Is, yeah. Yeah. And this is their first non-mobile game, which is, mm-hmm. um, yeah. no, like, yeah, I think, I think it's promising. There's some, some yeah. ideas there. Uh, it reminds me of an Australian made game, but I'm trying, I'm trying to find the name of it. That is essentially the exact same thing, but more, but top down as opposed to side scrolling. Okay. Um, but I cannot find yeah, right. the name of it. Hmm. So we shall move on. While you find the name on. of it, I just want to quickly shout out another established studio that's only made mobile games and is moving into making their first big, big quote unquote game. Uh, this is uh, J- Jayama Games out of uh, Italy, actually. They had a surprisingly big setup for uh, it, it, 
Anotria, the last song. This is a Italian Souls like. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just super duper quickly. I know we talked about Souls like a fair bit tonight, so I figured it'd be a good way to wrap things up here. But um, it's the the gimmick is no grim dark fantasy. This is a blaring sunlight out game um, that they wanted to make it like the sun is imposing and, and weird and off putting. And so it's a very bright game, very vivid colors. Um, you like play as like a base mannequin build and you get to switch between masks that offer completely different builds. So the build they had available was like at the press of a button, you would change from a dex build to a strength build just instantaneously. Mm. Um, so that seems really cool. Combat is a bit floaty. Um, it's got that very like early on in development, double a level souls like game feel that a lot of these games have very like how imagine still rising felt before it got a little bit more polish um but yeah very very cool very great art style uh director seems like a lovely dude uh when i asked them i was like oh what's an italian studio doing at pax australia they're like no don't worry about it like cool perfect brilliant let's go (laughs) um so yeah just wanted to give a quick shout out to them nice uh i found the other game and it's called the last stand aftermath uh, it is by um, Con Artist game. Games, and mm, me too. It is uh, all all reviews on Steam are very positive, and our review from Big Harrison he gave that bad boy a six. Yeah, I was about to say we did not go nice on it. Mildly, anything from Armor Games Studio, we uh, we only give it in in the sixes, don't we, Adam? Yeah, mate, that's uh, that's our ethos. I <laughs> <laughs> have a crack, don't they? Um, but yes, Nathan, you got all Rihanna, anything that you want to, uh, share before we move past PAX? I've got one more, uh, Demon's Hand. This was one that I saw on the PAX floors just as I walked in near the front there. Uh, this is a mobile game, which is really cool. It's effectively set on a five by five grid, uh, for, to be a dungeon crawler that's played effectively like Hearthstone. So, uh, Adam, you would know Clank, you get cards for movement and things like that. So all of that's here. Yeah, man. Finally enough, I said to the developer, hey, man, have you played Clank? And he looked at me like I was an idiot. He had no idea. <laughs> uh, so he does not play board games, oh. no. But he plays Lost, Slay the Spire and Hearthstone. So you get, there's 16 characters. Ah, oh, so he plays board games. Digitally. At a distance. Yeah, yeah, by proxy, yeah. So 16 characters, each of them have their own unique deck. As I say, they've got some generic cards between them. There will be like move, but there will be all kinds of different attacks and status abilities and all all that kind of shit that you expect in a in a card game. Uh, so it's got some kind of like roguelike elements. So you will, you're, you're trying to get as far through this dungeon as possible. Um, every time. So in that five by five grid, you start at the southernmost point and there's usually an exit at the northernmost point. And in between you and the exit, is going to be a bunch of monsters. You'll use your cards to attack them. They usually drop loot. So then you'll, you know, you could choose to spend those walk cards to walk over loot, get the loot, make your way to the exit. One of the interesting things here to bury the lead uh, is... When you move to the next level, right, say you're, you've gone to the second level of the dungeon, or sometimes you even go outside, um, if there is another player online who is having some difficulty in a dungeon or, or on a level and they haven't made it more than 50% through, uh, the game will throw you in with them. So all of a sudden, it, it just surprisingly just morphs into a cooperative game seamlessly. 
it'll just this is all happening in the background like it's not going hey we need to match make we need to match make it's like you move into the next level there's someone else that's struggling on their level we just put them in with you have fun guys off you go now it's going to be free to play it's uh, going to do like the League of Legends used to where it'll have like rotating characters that are free each day um, it's currently closed beta. Uh, I'm looking to get beta access via Discord because I really, really enjoyed this game. Three-person Aussie dev team, all brothers. Uh, their father is their playtester. I thought that was made for a really cute story. Uh, this is Demon's Hand. I think this is... A, 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 considering we... I, I don't know about you guys, but there is a tendency for myself to overlook quote-unquote mobile games. This looked terrific. This just looked like a, a, a solid core game that just happened to be on the mobile platform. Cool. Very, very nice. Uh, all right, awesome. You can you can check out all the content from PAX. It'll be popping up over the website. Uh, on the website, sorry. Uh, over the few next few days. KS, sorry, excuse me, who has a Broken Roads preview. Uh, you can check that out. <laughs> you can check that out. It's good. And I want to give a quick shout out to Big Google. They have sent me the Pixel 8 Pro. Yes, the Pixel 8 Pro phone. Uh, I probably won't have a review ready at Embargo, which is Thursday, because just haven't had time really to kind of, you know, push it to its limits. But uh, so far, pretty good. I mean, it's a phone, eh? Like, you know, I feel like phones phones these days are like uh, AAA games. They're very iterative 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 yeah. um you know they're not there's not like uh big improvements here there's a you know there's a couple of cool things here there's some software features and and stuff with the camera you know the camera's quite quite good and the map back on the uh on the on the on the pro is pretty pretty tasty screen's nice so battery life is great um you can i'll talk more about it next time when i'm ready Question for you though: How do we feel about the price points of sixteen ninety nine for the iPad, for the iPad fucking different device, for the Google Pixel Eight Pro? Well, it, it's certainly not marketed at me and my demographics, so I'll happily turn a blind eye. That's a fair hike. It's it, like a four hundred dollar price hike. Yeah. Mm. Um. Well, considering iPhones are you know two thousand dollars. Yeah, they've shot up too. Um, you know, I, I think I think phones are unfortunately one of the things that are victims of inflation, um, and I think people will just um, will increase the price because they can, uh, quite mm-hmm. simply. Mm-hmm. So it's um, interesting because it is such like it is a massive jump, right? So mm. the base phone has gone from I think nine or thousand bucks or what nine hundred bucks or what whatever it was to twelve hundred. Um, this one's yeah. This one's gone from twelve nine nine to sixteen nine nine. And when we were in this briefing with Google, like they asked that, like like what justifies such huge increase? And um, there is those seven years of of uh, support that we uh, talked about last week and some other stuff like that. But I I think this is this is going to not kill the phone, but this is going to make it a very hard sell um, at that price point. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite shocked necessarily that they've gone this this high i don't know if it will because like i don't know anyone who buys phones outright i for the most part know people who just whack it onto their Mm. phone bill that then goes on to their internet bill and it just becomes a slightly larger number of their overall spendings of the the month so like i i mean i see 
pretty regularly people just upgrading new phones every year. Like they trade in their last year's model for this year's model. And it's the vicious cycle of just moving up to the next one and trading in their old phone knocks off a certain percentage of their new phone and this, that, and the other. And, you know, you're in debt until you're in the fucking ground, but it, it doesn't no, seem to I think like more people buy that this doesn't have the brand, uh, I'll do anything. Oh, like you. like I'll, an I'll, iPhone like, does. Correct. You know, like you know, you you whack three thousand dollars on that, people are going to go fucking buy it. Um, yeah. What's the killer app here like, to make think, the jump worth it? There's nothing on the surface. Yeah, I get you. Mm. Like I think the, the camera, Pixel certainly the AI buildings. stuff is, is very yeah. cool. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Like they are getting there, but they're not. You know, they're not at the same level now. No, absolutely not. And I to charge I... people one hundred fifty dollars less than in, like an iPhone. Mm. I think it's Gonna more go about like what, well, what ecosystem do you subscribe to basically is what you're asking. Like, and then obviously they separate themselves from away from Apple. So then it's like, well, Samsung, you know, any of the Android phones, you know? Um, and really, I think it just, that I think they know they're not a major player maybe. Um, and maybe it doesn't matter. I think, I, think, I think they think they are at $16.99. Anyway, let's, let's move on <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about this another time. James, what's the, just give us some quick news because I want to fucking go. I'm home. just going to do headlines. Uh, John Riccatello, CEO of Unity, has stepped down. Goodbye. Uh, Telltale Games. Dog, it, on the way out. Dog. Exactly. Yeah. Telltale Games in the midst of uh, developing The Wolf Among Us 2 has apparently laid off the majority of its staff. The uh, current state of that project is... In the fucking wind. Who who knows what's going on oh, there? God. Seems like Telltale is just forever uh, doomed. Yeah. Um, five former Ubisoft executives have been arrested following a sexual harassment investigation. This obviously stems from that massive, uh, what was it, 2020 push of all those allegations came out about sort of the the nature of what was going on at Ubisoft and sort of the higher ups uh, enabling a lot of really shitty sexist uh, and, and sexually uh, assaultive behavior. And yeah, some arrests have finally been made in that regard. Regards, so that's pretty great to see. Um, and Alan Wake is coming to Fortnite. Fucking good night. Well, I'm still not. surprised, man. <laughs> yeah. How does Fortnite still yeah. surprise me? It's <laughs> look, it's, it's the Fort Fort Nightmare thing. Uh, so there's yeah. a bunch of Halloween shit coming. They've gotcha. also got Michael Myers and Jack Skelly. Jack yeah. Skelly. Yeah, they've got like is that the, the dude. Nightmare it, Before it, Christmas. Clowns. And yeah, yeah. Oh, Aren't they spending clowns. more money than they can earn? <laughs> Yeah, don't worry about it. Because you know why? The hot the muscle cat steals, I'd is now Fuck a me hot sideways. muscle ghost cat. Oh, you no. and I went in different directions. Very That's different. That's okay. That's all right. Look, kids, kids, are, kids just want V-Bucks for their birthday now. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I was about to say, so does James. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a shit gift. You work a week in EB Games and see how many little kids come up to you. Do you sell V-Bucks? Mm. For real? Do yeah. you have any V-Bucks, no, you little Go V-Bucks fuck. for you. I mean, no, you little <laughs> shit. Go away. Go to fucking Jordan. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Two for two. Uh, very, very quick uh, 90s film of the week. No off topics this week, but off but 90s film of the week because we didn't do it last week, I don't think. The 90s film of the week. Because it's PAX, because it's Australia, whatever, we love it. We'll go to the castle. 
1997. Yeah. Enjoyed that film. James hates it, so that makes it even better. No, it's fine. It's a classic for a reason. Is it though? It's Absolutely. a fucking institution, James. Exactly. Don't oh, you know? Oh, fucking. <laughs> it's a climate. They make you watch this in customs when you're uh, coming into the the country mm. for the first time. It's true. Don't it's true Australians like to gay uh, Is that dude still around? Oh, that dude. Eric Banner. You know, you know the one, right? Eric Banner. No, Eric the Banner dad. is not the person that I would Stephen have grabbed Curry. from. What is the it? fuck? No. Hang on. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, Stephen, no, it's Michael Caton. We're Kate doing Castle the guy that, that you're thinking Ste- of. Michael Caton. Oh, that's, that's, that's just being one. annoying. Steph Curry. Yes. Steph he is alive. <laughs> there you go. Uh, 87% on the old. Shout outs, Michael Caton. Happy end to that story. Tamatoes. And you can watch it on stand. So how good is that? Question for you before we leave. I don't want a fucking story. I just want a yes or a no. So keep your thoughts to yourself. 30 days time, November 10, the day before. Is it happening? James? No. Adam? Fuck no. Oh, that. Nathan? No. No. Rhiannon. No. I'm saying yes. Get your milkshake ready, baby. Buddy, it's coming your way. <laughs> Let's fucking go. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC co- that podcast. You can check out the content on the website at www.well-play.com.au. Have a good weekend. It doesn't get any easier, does it? <laughs> yourself. Subscribe Treat to yourself YouTube. to a blue heaven. Check yeah. out Lords of the Fucked Fallen. It, James. Check out Lords of the Fallen. Read Nathan's review first. Watch his video review. Go watch James's Mirage review. Oh, wait, there isn't one. <laughs> that is just a Mirage, mate. Oh, gotcha. he's gone and done it. He's bloody gone and done it. Until See, next folks. time. Bye. The fucking music that they use.